For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm just trying to think of a good way to get into the story. <laughs> in, I'll let you do it. In other news, <laughs> um, so uh, there's going to be a documentary on a very famous uh, uh, southern Michigan UFO sighting that happened back in the 60s. Yeah, kind of interesting. Uh, you and I have seen some weird stuff in the sky. Nothing we're ready to to call extraterrestrial. Or a close encounter. Yeah, no, nothing no. like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But we've seen things that we couldn't explain. Uh, aircraft flying through the sky that we believe um, was from the military. Pop, perhaps a uh, new technology being tested out. That's usually where I go with things. I, something significant would have to happen to make me feel like, okay, this is from out of this world. or Like something. an alien beaming you up onto their uh, aircraft? Yeah. Come something like that? <laughs> Things have gotten crazy here. Do you got another planet? <laughs> <laughs> we wrecked this one. Can we get a new one? <laughs> oh, and, and can I bring my wife along? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> Afterthought, right? After, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, I'll, how about I let you go? I'll just let you go by yourself this time. <laughs> you can scope it out and then... then let me know. S- send, a, send a ride if uh, everything checks out okay. Uh, so, well, anyway, when you talk about UFO sightings in Michigan, one of the most infamous stories comes from the mid-60s, and it could be one of the most bizarre and puzzling cases ever. Over 80 women at one of the dorms at Hillsdale College and many other residents attested and still do today that they saw an object hovering over the Arboretum on that strange night. And now a documentary is being released with archival footage never before shown on this level back where it took place. Yep, uh, here's some quotes from it. It was 56 years ago on March 21st, 1966, that one of the most famous UFO sightings in American history took place at Hillsdale College. The story was actually so big, Walter Cronkite himself came to Hillsdale to report on it, Lacey. Yes, and uh, the documentary filmmaking class at Hillsdale College is doing a full-length documentary about the 1966 UFO sighting called Aliens in the Arb. And uh, we've actually got the trailer for it uh, on our website so that you can check that out too. The film is going to premiere on April 20th right at Hillsdale College. Free admission, uh, kind of an amazing story. Um, and a lot of people say... Uh, if you were anywhere that night, uh, that was the place to be. I think on Friday, we're going to have to ask Scott Bertram about this. I know. I was just thinking that popped into my head. I, I would imagine he's going to highlight it at some point on the show. Uh, Maybe. Uh, one of the residents, Frank Manor in particular, is featured in the trailer uh, that you can see on our website. Um, is pretty disgusted and almost insulted in the fact that he knows what he saw with his own two eyes and is still being criticized and mocked for it. Um, of course, uh, we still haven't had any uh, hard proof on whether there are other life forms in our universe. Yeah, but hopefully this new documentary can help shed some light on this very strange incident. You know, Will Smith had a, another incident where he uh, smacked an alien. Remember that in Independence Day? You mean that true story? <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny if he that was... is a That is such a good movie, though. <laughs> 
you know, oh I, gosh, yes. I enjoy rewatching that at least once a year. It has, to me, one thing that's endearing about it is I feel like they took some Star Wars vibes during some of the alien fighting scenes with the U.S. or the military jets. Mm-hmm. It just had this resemble of, you know, the, the green... Like, I think he even says, oh, no, you did not shoot that green stuff at me. (laughs) (laughs) And there's so many good actors in it and a lot of different storylines. The president and his family. Yeah. um, Randy Quaid. Yeah, Randy Quaid (laughs) and and his silly situation doing the crop dusting. I'll tell you, nobody plays the the crazy guy better than Randy Quaid. uh, No. Yeah, he's got that hands down. Jeff Goldblum's character and the situation with his father and his ex that works in the White House. I mean, yeah, the actor that plays his father in that movie is pretty well accomplished as well yeah and uh if i'm not mistaken there's even a couple of cameos too um but yeah vivica fox is yeah in it. yeah just a, a great movie i like we're trying to sell people on this movie that's been out for decades now <laughs> well i mean when, if you haven't seen it we do recommend you see it uh um but uh yeah that was a really really good movie follow-up uh was not so good though no <laughs> yeah that came out uh not too terribly long ago yeah and well, it was not as good left a little bit to be desired but uh anyway so if you want to check out uh, more about this ufo sighting and, and you discovered something this morning that you're going to be uh writing about related to ufo sightings in michigan as well yeah would you believe that uh michigan is among the top states that you're most likely to see something supernatural whether it be ufo or ghost yeah something you're going to dig into and uh, we'll be talking about that later this week absolutely we're going to take a quick break and uh be back with a look at your news and weather uh, Will Smith and, of course, uh, slapping the rock. I said it. I did it again. <laughs> you know, they, you can't even get the two confused. They look absolutely nothing alike. <laughs> it's just the name, Chris Rock and the, the rock. rock. They yeah. were actually joking about that on uh, one of the programs earlier this morning. Yeah, that like, would have been a completely different scenario <laughs> had that happened. It might not have happened at all, uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, I'm sure Will Smith would have thought twice. Yeah. So, well, at the Academy Awards the other night, uh, in case somehow. You missed it. avoided this, and if you did, I'm proud of you. <laughs> uh, yeah, Will Smith was angered over a comment that Chris Rock made, uh, a joke about his wife that was not funny. It was certainly not funny. I, I have to agree on that. Whether Will Smith was right or wrong in what he did, uh, a lot of people are split on this. It's a very wide divide. Yeah. And it's. I've kind of said, I, I see both sides of it. I do, too. Um, the joke absolutely should not have happened. And there's a lot of talk about, no, don't they go over this stuff before the show? And there was a rumor that Chris Rock was told not to do the joke. Uh, we don't know. It is rumor at this point in time, but uh, Will Smith has had a little bit of time to think over uh, his actions from that night and is now issued an apology to Chris Rock. Yep, a direct apology. Um, I don't know. I don't know how direct it is. It was put out uh, by him on his social media accounts and stuff like that and released to media outlets. But whether a conversation with Chris Rock has actually happened, I don't know that that has happened yet. Right. But there could be more in the days ahead to try to calm this down a little bit and just and move on. Um, you know, I, it's interesting is that there were a surprising amount of women that seemed rather on the supportive side of what Will Smith did, not necessarily saying what he did was right, but at the same time saying, you know, some men don't play when it comes to their women. Well, and I've also seen a lot of men say if uh, somebody said or did something like that uh, aimed at my wife, it would be hard to uh, resist a similar 
reaction. You know, and that I think that's what it comes down to. And of course, there are those people that think the whole thing was staged. I don't believe that. That that seemed rather sincere. I know there are actors, but still, um, that seemed like a, a rather sincere sincere reaction to me but i think that's what it was i think it was a reaction i don't think he put a ton of thought into how he responded no no not in the moment there um and again the the, the people saying that it was a publicity stunt i mean there have been other incidents at shows and a lot of these shows have been struggling to have the viewers that they've enjoyed in over the decades like the grammys and the oscars and some of the other popular award shows so People tend to think, well, they're going to try to do anything to uh, get people watching. Yeah, but it's again not going to help attention. anything that night, you know. No, not people really. have already made up their mind if they're going to watch it or not. And so once that happened, I don't know, maybe a few people tuned in to see if anything else came from it. Or I mean, maybe the thought is, well, oh gosh, I better not miss it next year because who's going to get slapped in the face uh, next year? <laughs> That's probably going to be the joke throughout the evening. Yeah, well, because remember a few years ago, uh, there was another incident at the Oscars um, with the uh, where they announced the wrong movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was it uh, La La Land and was announced as the winner, uh, but it was the wrong envelope. Who was the presenter that night that uh, they thought... Mm, I can't remember. It's, I can't remember either. I just remember, I think the person had uh, poor eyesight. Yeah, it was an it was an older actor, uh, a famous one, and I just I feel stupid that I can't think of who it is right now. It's too many Oscars ago. <laughs> too many Oscars ago. Um, so yeah, people sometimes think that these incidents are planned out, and you know, I do think some of the ones at the music ones, and particularly the MTV Music Awards. Uh, over the years, there's been a lot of things. Do they I've even liked. do that anymore? They do. I oh, okay, it's the one music thing that <laughs> that remains. On I MTV. believe uh, the big thing about MTV's awards, at least in the past, was the crazy uh, polarizing people they would pair together to walk up. Yeah, that was a theme. Um, Miley Cyrus, uh, back when she was in a little bit more of her uh, silly phase, we'll call it. Uh, she's kind of mellowed out in the last few years, um, but there was a year. She had a certain outfit that was being talked about. Britney Spears had an incident there. I don't know. I don't watch the award shows as religiously as I used to. Some of it's the schedule. Yeah. Obviously, the schedule for us, we go to bed pretty early, so we can't stay up to watch the award show. And then by the time the next night comes around, it's, it's already old news. It's yeah. already out there. You've already heard about anything and saw anything that was uh, remarkable from the night. Yeah. But, uh, well, we'll see. The, the Academy did denounce Will Smith's actions. They said they're going to review this further. Um, I and guess further the- action and consequences in accordance with our bylaw standards or conduct in California law could still happen, yeah. according to them. And so to me, well, so what does that mean? I guess stripping him of his award would probably be the most uh, severe penalty. Or I don't telling know. Him he you know, what if, mm. uh, what if they kick him out of the Academy? <sighs> I, I would say that that... That could be pretty big. I think considering how he's handled it since the event, uh, he's probably going to be okay. But uh, we'll just have to see. I'm sure we will be hearing much more about it. (laughs) Your weather today, sunshine with clouds moving in by afternoon. Winds from the southeast up to 15 miles per hour. Our high is going to be in the uh, mid-40s tonight. Uh, Rain showers still a bit windy, a low in the lower 30s. Right now, we got mostly clear skies. It's 20 degrees, feels like 14 that's right. And joining us now is Michael Delaware. He's going to talk to us about uh, Hannibal, 
the 15,000-pound elephant that visited Battle Creek in the 1850s. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Well, good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a, a joy to have you with us today. Of course, uh, you're a local history buff. Um, and I, Brandon and I both have been uh, seeing your videos and uh, podcasts coming out on uh, things that we've seldom heard about yeah. about the area. Yeah, I enjoy researching old stories that uh, kind of get forgotten about. And I first heard about this uh, story by reading um, Tales of Battle Creek by Bernice Bryant Lowe. And she mentions about two sentences that <laughs> refers to Hannibal falling into the mill race in downtown Battle Creek. So I, I was very curious. So I started doing a lot of research into finding the backstory, you know, looking at old newspapers. I would say two yeah. sentences would hardly sum up that story. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of interesting to really get the context of it. Uh, you kind of have to get an understanding, first of all, of elephants to get in your mind because we um, there are two different generalized species of elephants, the African elephant and the Asiatic elephant, and they're different sizes typically. Now, the statistics that I've researched came from the National Geographic um, website, and the African elephants typically range between 5,000 to as much as 14,000 pounds, Man. although there has been one recorded as high as 24,000 pounds. Wow. So, and Can you imagine the, trying the, to get that thing out of your way? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> or have one coming at you, you know. The, a, the Asiatic elephants are the smaller cousins, typically sometimes referred to as the Indian elephants, and they range between about 4,400 to 11,000 pounds. Oh, that's and, all. So, yeah, but... The difference with with this is that um, Hannibal was an Asiatic elephant. Wow. And he was uh, reported to be about 15,000 pounds. And and they I know this and they know basic they knew this based on the time because they put him on a 14,000 pound scale and <laughs> broke it. Wow. I didn't know they had scales that could go up that I guess high. it was for some kind of freight shipping or, yeah. or freight weighing scale oh, okay. they that put him on sense. at one point and uh and that was towards the you know the last few years of his life. Now, obviously, he was in captivity, so he's probably not as slim and athletic as some of the elephants out in the wild. Sat and back and got fed. Got fed all day and just you know walked around. So he probably was larger than typical for his size. But when um, he actually came to America in around eighteen twenty one, I believe it was, and he was brought in by a a captain that came from an Asiatic port. And he sold him to a prospective butcher. Oh. And the Van Amberg Menagerie Show, which is similar to a circus. They used to parade around, go around the country displaying animals in cages and exhibits. And they would come and they heard about the story of him being at the Boston Market in New York or the Washington Market uh, somewhere in New York. And they picked him up. They went and bought him. <laughs> and he stayed with the menagerie for... 40 years, actually. So they. So was he full grown at that point in time, or was he pretty young still? Uh, well, yeah, I think they said he was probably estimated about 20 years old when he arrived okay. in the U.S., but that was hard to, to pin down. There's so many different speculations on it. You know, um, I mean, the age range of an elephant is typically 50 or 60 years in the wild. They say that he was 100 years when he died. I don't believe it. I mean, it's there's a lot of exaggeration you have to kind of sift through in these old stories. Yeah. Um, but it's... um. Well, documentation has improved a lot from the mid-1800s, for yep. sure. <laughs> yeah, he came to America in 1824, and so he, he remained with the show. He was originally, for the first four years he was here, he was traveling with four other elephants, or three other elephants, and they were part of the four-elephant tandem, and they would pull this huge golden chariot when they would go into towns. And the other uh, elephants, 
Uh, by the time he came to Battle Creek, the other three elephants had died. Two oh. of them died crossing a river um, in the, the Delaware River. They, t- they tied them up together in pairs to try to cross the river to swim them across because they refused to get on the boat. Oh. And one of them got tired halfway and pulled the other one down. It was a really oh. sad story. Oh, heartbreaking. Uh, and then the third one, Columbus, lived a little bit longer, but he uh, fell through a bridge somewhere in... Uh, I think it was Massachusetts or something like that, and he died from his injuries. So transportation methods back then uh, left a lot to be desired, probably. Yeah, they did. But, a, they walked them. They would walk them from town to town most of the time. Um, in the back, when they got to the East Coast, at least they put them on trains at certain points. But uh, hmm. and you got to imagine back then, you know, because we think today, if you know, if we went to a zoo that had an elephant. We've seen pictures of elephants on the internet, uh, videos, documentaries, maybe on a TV channel or something. But back then, the most people, the most people maybe had seen was a drawing of an elephant. Probably very few photos. So seeing one live and in person had to be an absolutely, possibly terrifying experience. That there's something out there this big. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. At least it was very exhilarating. And and just to get a kind of size comparison. Hannibal weighing at 15,000 pounds would have been equivalent of two uh, 2022 Ram pickup trucks. Wow. <laughs> or if you can put in your mind the, the 1967 Beetle, he was about nine of those. So, <laughs> How did kinda, he compare to Jumbo? Jumbo was r- reported to be about 13,000 pounds. Okay. So he was heavier than Jumbo, but Jumbo was taller. Okay. Because he was an African elephant and... Um, uh, Hannibal was an Asiatic elephant, so he was more proportionate. And another interesting difference between the two is that Hannibal, his entire life, had his tusks up until the last three years with that circus, which is completely unusual for circuses that came later. Okay. Uh, even when Jumbo came, he had his tusks sawn off. Mm. So um, there, there was, were a couple of reasons for that. One was a safety issue, I imagine, and the other being uh, their value. Exactly. And over the years, Hannibal had incidents where he killed close to a dozen people in the wow. he here. So, What were those circumstances? Do we know that? There, there's a lot of little stories. Most of the time, somebody was messing with the elephant. Ugh. Like they'd come up and, you know, they'd have him tied up at this at the show and somebody would come up and harass him and he would swing those dusts and that's all it takes that's all it took with him you know hmm. um to, to really cause injury yeah i would not be one of those people <laughs> i'd be i would keep my distance i, I would admire it but i yeah there, there was one interesting incident when he was in they were traveling in massachusetts and they were follow, walking the the whole circus procession down a road and this row of carriages passed and they were on their way to church and one of the carriage drivers hit Hannibal with a switch. Oh. Like he was just, you know, you're in the way and he hit the elephant. And so Hannibal turned and upended every carriage on that road. So that's and, uh, what an elephant does when they throw a temper tantrum? Yeah, they start trashing. <laughs> <laughs> they trash, throwing horses around and he killed several horses oh. and things like that. So don't, especially when they have their tusks, don't don't get them mad. <laughs> I would just say in general, have respect for them. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're one of God's creatures, uh, quite sizable as well. Uh, I would definitely not want to make one of them angry. So one thing um, we want to differentiate a little bit is uh, there were menageries and there were circuses, and there's a difference uh, between these two types of events. Yeah, the term menagerie was an older term. They um, were used much earlier in time, and the circus, the name term circus, I think, came around in 
uh, about 20 or 30 years later. But the main difference between the two was that menageries started out with just more displaying the animals. Circus brought more of the performance with acrobatics and combined animal shows and stuff. But they both partnered up a lot as years went on. So by the 1850s, circuses and menageries were quite common, and they would often partner together. So you'll see... Looking at old stories where a where the Van Amberg Menagerie was uh, doing a show with a circus or another menagerie, and uh, so they were quite often they would inter- intersect. There were a lot of those shows between the eighteen fifties to the early nineteen hundreds in America, and they they would travel everywhere on the eastern coast all the way to the Mississippi. All right, in those days. So we're talking with local historian Michael Delaware uh, about an uh, elephant that visited Battle Creek. We've kind of set the stage, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, if you can stick with us for a few more minutes, and we'll talk a little bit more specifically uh, about what happened when Hannibal came to Battle Creek. Ninety-five-three WBCK. Uh, joining us again is uh, Michael Delaware, local historian, uh, history buff. Um, and we're talking about Hannibal and his visit to Battle Creek. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the the account of the incident in Battle Creek came from a newspaper written that was published in 1886. This was 30 years or so after the incident. <laughs> and it was the Sunday Morning Call was the name of the paper at the time. Hmm. And they described Jumbo of this time. He was, he was the Jumbo of his time. Um, he was not as tall as Jumbo, but was heavier in appearance and more solid. And they said when Hannibal came to Battle Creek while marching majestically down Main Street, the old pachyderm stepped on the mill race bridge and went into the mill race with a crash and a splash. Mm. Oh, wow. That's quite a belly flop. (laughs) Yeah, he he totally went down. And the bridge, having given away with his great weight, the kids that were lining up the roadway were watching the incident. They went wild with excitement while (laughs) old Hannibal was bellowing. And the showmen shouted and the women screamed. <laughs> and the boys enjoyed the spectacle that were shouting. And um, so the performance was not advertised, to say the least. You know, it was. Um, but uh, Hannibal was used to working in the circus. Um, they, they had him trained to pick up circuits, post, and, and hold tent stakes. So he would help set up. Yeah. So he, he <laughs> totally got himself out of the mill race by picking up the, um, the logs and the. Stacking cross beams up. and just put them aside so he could climb up the embankment. That's a smart <laughs> so, elephant. <laughs> yeah, but when he came to Battle Creek again a few years later, he refused to cross the bridge. So they had to take him around another part of town. Yeah. So, I, well, I would too. Yeah. <laughs> Fool me that. once. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's some. There's a few other um, related incidents with elephants in Battle Creek. Um, Jumbo the elephant actually only toured North America for three years before he died up in Canada with it being hit by a train. But he came to Battle Creek in 1883 wow. and, and came down the uh, the same main street, basically, and went to the circus. The circus did he cross the bridge? <laughs> yeah, apparently he did. Um, now, I found different references. I saw, I saw one article that said that he did, and the other one said they just took him from the train station to the circus tent area. So... Um, and then there was another interesting incident that happened in 1909 um, around the circus that came to town. And they'd set up for the day, and there was a lot of fanfare. And the next day, when the circus opened, there was a tornado that came through. Oh, my wow. gosh. And it took both of the big tops up and whipped them away. And, the, and people were injured, and tent poles were flying around. 
and there was a big concern about the animals were going crazy and um, there was a big concern with the elephants the circus handlers went first thing and rushed and took the elephants aside and put them in a warehouse is what it sounded like and because they were concerned about them stampeding i was gonna say yeah you know and there was about three or four people injured in town. They were at Nichols Hospital, which obviously is not around anymore at the time. But uh, So Battle Creek uh, has had a history of uh, weird incidents at circuses. Well, you know, and the circuses were, it was quite a popular place for circuses to come between about 1850 through about the early 1900s because it was the halfway point between Detroit and Chicago. Oh, right. Yeah. And so they'd come on the railroads. And the very first recorded circus to come to Battle Creek was in 1838. Now, that time was very shortly after the founding of the village, so there's likely there's probably less than 100 people showed up for that one. But in later years, between the 18, early 1840s, 1850s, all the way to the 1900s, they would draw a crowd of sometimes as much as 10,000 people from the surrounding communities. Hmm. So they could have a big crowd. And it was so it was a popular place for circuses to stop and set up tents and do their shows. And uh, same thing with menageries. You know, there were several of them. And they would travel up the route. So if you look at the circus routes, they came Kalamazoo, Battle Creek. You know, they go to Jackson. They come all these circus towns were places where they stopped along, you know, the way mainly following the the railroad. Yeah, that convenient location right between Detroit and Chicago, like yeah. you said. Yeah. yeah. So would they just set up in a field? Was there like a specific place that uh, many of them set up at? Well, in present day, it was near downtown. It was um, part of near Carlisle Avenue was part of the area. And hard to Michigan. imagine. Yeah, there's where there's buildings now. It was <laughs> partly open field was one of the areas now downtown. But there's a, a several different locations when you look at it. And it's hard to to plat them on the map, but there was, you know, the downtown wasn't as sparsely, or it was very sparse at that point. It was just the central area on Main Street and what we know as like Capitol Avenue today. So what ultimately ended up happening to, to Hannibal? Well, he lived until just like the last year of the Civil War, and he was up in Pennsylvania, and he ate some poison laurel in the <sighs> mountains of Pennsylvania, Aww. and he died. So they... They buried him on the site, and then year, a few years later, the owner of uh, the menagerie approached one of the museums. I think he was originally approached the New York Museum and asked him if they wanted the skeleton, he, and they refused to pay for the shipment of the skeleton. Um, so at some point, he did, his body, his um, skeleton was taken to a, univ- or into a museum in Chicago, mm. and it was put on display in Chicago for several years, but it burned down in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Oh. So it was only on display for maybe 10 years in Chicago, and then it was completely lost. Huh. Uh, whereas the other elephants that were with the original Tandem 4, uh, two of them are in display in New York, and one is in Boston. Uh, they're, they're skeletons. So, Well, we want to thank you for coming in and sharing the story with us. Uh, yeah. We've been talking to local historian Michael Delaware, who puts out all sorts of great things. you want to uh, plug your stuff real quick? Yeah, my YouTube channel. I've got a full video on the history of Hannibal the Elephant on there. It's uh, Michael Delaware. You can just search that on YouTube. Or you can also check out my podcast at Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. And that comes out Tuesdays and Fridays. And starting in April, I have an extra episode on Sundays where I interview local historians and people on the show. So it's kind of fun to, to listen to and pick up some additional history when you're driving around. 
All right. And we're going to put together an article, too, with some of this information and put it out on our website today. And we'll have some links there to uh, some of the stuff you were just talking about. Thanks for coming in today. It was a pleasure. Yeah, and we'll talk to you again, uh, hopefully, real soon. Thank you. So yesterday was the anniversary of a very scary incident that happened during a Detroit Red Wings hockey game a long, long time ago, Lacey. Yeah, one of the greatest that ever played the sport uh, nearly lost his life. Yep, we're talking about legend Gordy Howe, known as Mr. Hockey or Number 9. Uh, during a game on March 28, 1950, uh, he uh, went to do a body check and ended up crashing into the boards. Uh, it was during a playoff game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it was Ted Teeter Kennedy. He was trying to uh, knock to the ground, but he ended up crashing into the boards, and he fell unconscious to the ice. Yeah, and the crowd immediately went silent. Uh, Medical staff was brought in to carry him away on a stretcher. And after arriving at a local hospital, it was discovered that he had suffered a brain hemorrhage and was listed in critical condition. He also had a broken nose, uh, shattered cheekbone, severe scratch to one of his eyes. And this concern about uh, whether or not he would survive was so worrisome. Um, that they actually called his mother to be by his side just in case. Yeah, uh, medical staff conducted an emergency neurosurgery to try to relieve some of the pressure, and it eventually saved his life. And he also spent some time on an oxygen tank while he was recovering. Uh, I think this goes without saying, he missed the rest of the playoffs that year. <laughs> yep, and the Red Wings ended up losing that game 5 nothing, the first of the opening round best of seven with Toronto, but they rallied and went on. Uh, to win the series four games to three. They advanced to the Stanley Cup finals and eventually defeated the New York Rangers four games to three, being home for their fourth NHL title. Yeah, so uh, they went on probably, I would imagine, a lot of the other players on the team were, were playing for Gordy. It might have you know inspired them to play better, but that's a lot of talent missing too. That is a lot of talent. Uh, one of the best hockey players of all time, if not the best uh, for sure. It's, I mean, that's a big part of your team. Yeah, it's hard to imagine what may have been different in the world of hockey and the entire sports world if that night had turned tragic. Of course, the next season, Howe came back and responded to those injuries by playing in every single game. He led the NHL in goals, assists, and total points that year. Uh, so he came back aggressive. And, With a vengeance. Yeah, but hey, that's the Gordie Howe we've, we all know and have heard about in our lives. Uh, the Red Wings went on to dominate the NHL for much of the 1950s, bringing home three more Stanley Cups in 52, 54, and 55. Yeah, and you can read more about this at uh, 953wbck.com. It's the terrifying day Gordie Howe almost died during a tro- Detroit Red Wings hockey game. Yep. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with a look at your weather. Uh, now we're at the Eve, Eve, Eve of Friday. <laughs> I, I can't keep that straight. So uh, the CBS is looking for a strike with their new sitcom, and it is based on the life of a man from Michigan. Yeah, it's kind of uh, interesting. Uh, CBS is hoping for uh, their latest sitcom, How We Roll. Um, it's about a Saginaw man's life, uh, kind of inspired by his life. And the network said that uh, How We Roll, formerly known as Smallwood, tells the life story of Tom Smallwood of Saginaw. Smallwood living a typical life in Michigan when he fell on hard times after being laid off from his job at GM Pontiac East Assembly Plant. He was an avid buller for years and uh, decided to put his pastime to work and take a shot at becoming a professional buller on tour. Huh. So CBS has broken down the plot for this new show. It's called How We Roll. 
Um, and here's their take on it. It's based on professional bowler Tom Smallwood's life. Uh, stars as Pete Holmes as Tom, a stoic Midwest husband and dad who gets laid off from a car assembly line and makes an extraordinary decision to provide for his family by following his dream of becoming a professional bowler. Yeah, and as a skilled player, Tom knows that in bowling, you get two chances. No matter what you do with the first ball, you get another one to make it right. The ultimate second chance. Keeping that in mind, Tom begins his new career with a loving okay from his wife, Jen, the unfaltering support of Archie, his mentor, and the proud owner of Archie's Lanes, home of the Curly Fry. Uh, The cautious backing of his protective mom, Helen, as well, and the encouragement of his son, Sam. Yep, it remains to be seen if Tom will strike it big on the pro bowler circuit. But right now, the pins are set. He's taking his second shot, and it's 300 or bust. Of course, 300 is that perfect score you can get bowling. I've never been close to it. Uh, Smallwood, (laughs) who won the PBA Tour in 2009, was actually approached by Hollywood about 10 years ago regarding telling his story. Um, He says that uh, there were talks about a movie, even a book. Nothing ended up developing. So you kind of uh, fast forward uh, 10 years, and uh, now the story may be told in comedic form. All right. And if you want to check this out, it will be on your local CBS station. That would be News Channel 3 at 9.30 Thursday night. This Thursday, um, and if you have Paramount Plus, you can watch it on demand anytime. And we do have a, a link to a story about him um, on the website as well. That'll be interesting. Maybe we'll need to set the DVR. And do you think he's going to do what uh, Tim Allen did with <laughs> well, wearing uh, some sort of uh, attire for a Michigan school? That's a great idea. I wonder if they'll think about incorporating that into the show. That was one of my favorite things about Home Improvement was, uh, ooh, is, what's what's Tim Allen going to wear this week? A lion shirt, a couple times even Kalamazoo-related, uh, you know, Western Michigan University. That was cool. It was a, a lot. Of, it was very cool, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, but I am gonna, I'm gonna hit up those producers and see what I can do, to make that happen. <laughs> Be like, hey, <laughs> hey we're, we're gonna give you. You a know listen. who I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to speak to wardrobe immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I am gonna need to speak to your manager. Uh oh, Lacey, are, are you gonna go all Karen on it? I might. <laughs> I could do it. I, you know, I'm not that person generally in life. I I can't even, I don't know, maybe once or twice, but it was really extreme circumstances. Like one time I was going through a drive through and I got called an obscene name. Oh. Yeah. So you could, and I was having a really bad day already. Like I had a relative that had just passed the night before. I was working two jobs at a double shift. So this was many years ago. Caught, but, caught you at the wrong time. Oh boy, did they catch me at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I couldn't get out of my car fast enough to go inside. And I did speak with a manager. You know, one thing that seems like it's been happening a lot more in recent years is Michigan being featured in some form on television shows. Of course, there was the show Battle Creek. Yeah. A few years ago, it, it didn't last a real long time. No. And some people felt You know, I like, never even got a chance to check it out. I, I didn't either. I'll we'll have to look I, up and see. I know if, uh, Josh Dumal, if I'm not mistaken, he was one of the main characters in it. Was he the mayhem guy from the commercials? No. He was on that show also. I don't know what his name is, but he's the guy yeah, that plays mayhem in the commercials. Uh, the Battle Creek show. There's another show. Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called. But it's a black family and a white family that live next door to each other. And the white family moved to California from Kalamazoo. Um, it's on 
I believe it's on ABC. But oh, I, I can't Cedric think of the, the name. Entertainer is like one of the yeah, main. and um, the guy that was on uh, that uh, Zoe Dashnell TV show. Yes. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of that show. Boy, I'm striking <laughs> a million today. Of course, we mentioned Home Improvement. That one a little yeah, bit we, further back. That's all we got so far. And then all well, the other shows we <laughs> can't remember the name of. <laughs> now we've got this one uh, coming up about the bowler. It'll be on CBS. And, uh, and while we're talking about TV, of course, Ada Leanne, the local singer and songwriter, yes! she's going to be featured uh, upcoming on uh, American Song Contest. And right, uh, that was uh, Monday night, so that was on last night. But you and I, of course, uh, will be watching it tonight. Yeah. And, uh she uh, she can't tell us what day she's going to be on yet. No, nope, but but she's uh, traveling and they're getting ready to get everything set uh, with her outfits and all the other. And uh, what did she yeah, say? Yeah, she's making can? a video. Yeah, she's in Nashville making a video. Uh, we'll continue to be checking in with her and updating that uh, in the following weeks as well. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your weather. Uh, an Ohio woman. <laughs> That's absolutely. how it always starts. Absolutely <laughs> lost her mind. All right. Now, uh, now, you were just talking about that you were at the drive-thru and somebody got you on the, the wrong day, but you, oh, had, yeah. you had a reason to get mad. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, I, You know, people that know me will say I am probably one of the most patient people that you will encounter. I have personal I, experience with this. Yes. <laughs> as somebody that has tried my patience uh, to, to the last <laughs> string, um, you are very well aware that it takes a lot. It takes a lot to get me to react. Some people, on the other hand, are going through life reacting at everything and losing their mind over the silliest of things, uh, this Ohio woman included. All right. Yeah, this happened in Euclid, Ohio. A woman called the police because KFC didn't give her all the chicken. (laughs) Not all the chicken. (laughs) All the chicken that she wanted. All the chicken that she wanted. Yeah, she was shortchanged on her chicken at a local KFC. Says she only got four. She was supposed to get eight. Uh, that angry customer uh, not having it. So she did what anyone else would have done in her position, or did she? She called 911. Um, that is not what many of us would do. No. Uh, that is not how you handle that situation. Uh, the emergency dispatcher tried to explain to her that this was not uh, what 911 was supposed to be used for. Um, apparently, the woman said, I only got four pieces of chicken and I want my chicken. That's what she told the dispatcher. Um, that's when the dispatcher told the woman that uh, a, it was a civil matter and that she would have to take it up with the management. Yep. Uh, and even though the dispatcher tried to explain to her that this was not a proper situation for law enforcement that customer insisted on speaking to an officer so an officer stopped doing his actual job to come and tell the woman that there was nothing he could do and it's an important note it is in fact illegal to call 911 with non-emergencies however the woman was not cited for the incident there is uh, no confirmation at this time as uh, to if kfc did get her order wrong or if the woman uh, got the chicken and she just uh, feels like she deserves more yeah, but uh, there's your fun story out of Ohio. We usually she can come up with She deserves something. <laughs> she should get in trouble for, you know, at least a citation or something or a, a stern I, warning. She deserves something, and I'm not talking about free chicken. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I don't know that that restaurant's probably ever going to want her to come back again. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back uh, with a reminder about an upcoming opening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.